Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Carrickmac Cross Credit Union, where a student loan can help you finance your further education. Call to Carrickmac Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or carrickmaccrosscu.ie. Wednesday morning, morning, the 15th of May. Good morning, morning, with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. The Unite Trade Union is calling on the government to oppose a visit to Ireland by the American president because of what it says are Donald Trump's racist, sexist, homophobic, warmongering and dangerous policies. The Unite Policy Conference in Dublin this week also heard strong criticism of Irish government policies, of opposition parties, of employers and of other trade unions. Unite describes itself as a trade union that is inherently political. Fifteen of its members are running in next week's local elections. It says it is the most radical of all of the trade unions, that it has helped cast aside what it calls the yoke of Catholic oppression and help realise social change in recent times such as same-sex marriage and repeal of the Eighth. But it says it will continue to pursue its political aims to bring about a progressive left-wing movement that will ultimately result in a left-wing Irish government. Let's talk about all of this with Brendan Ogle, who's a senior officer with the United Trade Union. And a very good morning to you, Brendan, and thanks for joining us here on the programme this morning. As always... uh, particularly uh, political statements uh, from your policy conference this week. Uh, They'd be very political statements from a a political party, ambitious statements from a a political party. Are are they appropriate and very ambitious for a trade union? Of course they're appropriate, Michael. Um, Our workers, our members, uh, north and south of the island, um, are affected by the political decisions of governments of the day and, in fact, in storm, the non-government. Inside and outside work. Unite Trade Union um, is an Irish and British union, and we are the largest affiliate and funders affiliate of the British Labour Party. We did, of course, disaffiliate in Ireland from the Irish Labour Party in 2013 because of we could no longer stand over their behaviour in the austerity government, uh, Finnegan Labour government of 2011 to 2016. So absolutely, the, the, the issues that affect our workers, starting with uh, the, the, their entitlements and work, the terms and conditions, mm. trade union rights, uh, and then the economic factors, the, the, the housing emergency, the wealth transfer that, that was um, 
the hallmark of that government and, and indeed this government too uh, through the whole austerity era from working people, from poor people, from people struggling uh, into the people, into, into the super rich really, uh, into the bankers, into the developers, uh, the, the nationalisation of private banking debt to the tune of tens of millions of euro debt that we would be paying off and our workers and our members would be paying off till 2054. Of course, we're political, Michael. But you continue to affiliate yourself uh, with uh, the warmongering Labour Party in the United Kingdom. Uh, does that mean that you don't welcome members of Fine Gael here? Michael, United is the largest affiliate of the Labour Party in the UK, the, big, the, the biggest union affiliate and the biggest funder uh, affiliate. Um, United is a strong supporter of Jeremy Corbyn, for example, as a mm. Labour Party leader. Jeremy Corbyn has never supported any war. Jeremy Corbyn has never been on the wrong side of any vote about any war throughout his long political career. I know, but it was so Tony Blair and, and, Tony and, Blair and George right. Bush who uh, made up this yeah, yeah, idea right. of that's weapons right. of mass destruction oh, which brought the world to the brink. Excuse me, Michael. Absolutely. Jo- Tony Blair should be on crime, on, 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 in a war crimes tribunal in The Hague. That's the nature of politics. Thankfully, the Blairites are not in control of the British Labour Party at the moment. Thankfully, there's a decent human being in charge of the British Labour Party at the moment. So if you're looking for warmongers, uh, Michael, you can get someone else to interview. <laughs> OK, well, I'm not looking for warmongers. I was just asking if you were uh, continuing to support a, a party to to that was led by a warmonger, and we agree on that, I think, by all accounts. Do we not? Agree on what, Michael? That the Labour Party was led by a warmonger. We do. All right. Okay. Uh, But uh, when it comes uh, to the left in this country, you were particularly critical of uh, the left and all the more so of Sinn Féin, which you say has moved to the right. Yes, that's right, Michael. Well, look at the fact of the matter is in the South, and United is the, United is the largest union, the union with big membership. Sipchu is the largest union in Ireland, but United is the one with, with the largest membership cross-border. Two-thirds of our members are in the North. I, I speak on behalf I speak on behalf of the whole union, I think, but certainly the, I'm the senior officer in the South. And yes, absolutely, Michael. Uh, my, in, in my address yesterday, I was critical of Sinn Féin. I was critical of Sinn Féin from the point of view of during the Right to Change process in 2016, Sinn Féin had signed up to the right to change policy principles, and, and I welcomed that uh, at the time. But since then, Sinn Féin, and they are quite entitled to do this, Sinn Féin went to a policy conference and decided to, to, to change their position by democratic means, according to their rules, mm-hmm. that a party that, was no, that hadn't been open to coalition with Fine Gael or Fine Gael, uh, changed that position. So I think that's a move to the right. I, I absolutely think that's a move to the right. I could point to other things. I could point to, to do issues such as corporation tax, where Sinn Féin's position is to seek um, lower corporation taxes in the North Ireland corporation tax rate, but instead of having a higher corporation tax rate in the South, they want a lower one in the North. And I think for, for, for people who are struggling with, with public services and the funding of public services and housing emergencies, you know, where major corporations can contribute to our economies north and south. I think that's where Sinn Féin should be going. So Sinn Féin moved to the left. Now, in recent years, they've moved to the right. We praised them when they moved to the left, and we criticised them when they moved to the right. That's what we do. All right. Uh, well, undoubtedly, uh, they'll support uh, the housing protest uh, on Saturday and would argue many of uh, the points mm-hmm. that you're making and would look for a minimum rate of corporation tax uh, to be levied on uh, these big companies. And, indeed, uh, Sinn Féin uh, would... Uh, 
called for the introduction of a, a wealth tax, a, a higher rate of income tax. Right. But that's right. But I don't think they would argue the two points that I made, Michael. They did make a decision that they are now open to coal. So, 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 and, and they're right to do it. They're entitled to do that. But mm. United Trade Union, as a trade union, which, which is a vested interest in these matters, is also entitled to comment on that. Mm. Um, so there's, there's no debate there. They made that decision. Uh, and it, their position on corporation, so specifically on corporation tax rates, which is the point I made uh, in the north, is that they want to lower corporation tax rates uh, to, to, to the levels in the south. And we want to hire the ones in the south. So that, that, that's a different position we have, and we're quite entitled to discuss and, and criticise each other about that. Mm. OK. Uh, well, obviously so, uh, but uh, I suppose Sinn Féin would say that it would hope to bring about a, a left-wing influence if it was to coalesce with one of uh, the other bigger and more right-wing parties, if you like. Well, they certainly say that to me, and they might say that to you, and, and I hope that's true. We don't believe that that's the way to, to deliver the first left government in this almost 100-year-old independent state. We believe the way to do that is, is to, to walk through the right-to-change policy agenda, which Sinn Féin had signed up to, to walk through the right-to-change policy agenda, which touches all the 10 social and economic issues mm. that really integrated affect everybody. Uh, and not, Because there's no success, Michael. There's no record that anybody can point to me or to you of anybody going into coalition with Fine Fáil or Fine Gael and going to the left. There's mm. no evidence of that in the history of the nation. Okay, it, and I don't think I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon either. They're going to the right. Is, is there a political party in this country that Unite affiliates itself with at all, or there identifies isn't. with? There isn't. We, as I say, all our history, um, and our history is as Unite, uh, but also mm. as the predecessor unions that, that came to get about to, to, to deliver Unite, um, to, to, to merge and form Unite. Uh, all our history, we were affiliated to the Irish Labour Party, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, uh, in 2013. Uh, two years into that government, uh, the, the supposed to be uh, Frankfurt's way or Labour's way government. Yeah, we're supposed to bring left-wing thinking to right-wing parties, I understand. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, so, but as things so, stand, so, there isn't a party that you're affiliated so, with or identify with, is there? No, so since we disaffiliated from the party, since we disaffiliated from the Labour Party, and, and when I say we disaffiliated, our members in the conference uh, made that decision emphatically in, 20, in 2013, since that happened. We we are in a situation where we've been campaigning on the water charges. We've been campaigning uh, on social issues that you've gained there, and on, on repeal and marriage equality. And we've we've come together with with other groups and independents and small parties. Uh, and Sinn Féin at one point, uh, other trade unions, and formed the Right to Change policy platform. And we are we, rather than us affiliate to a party and be dictated to by a party. What we are trying to do is encourage people to look at that platform, to get behind that platform. Uh, and, and to coalesce behind policy mm. principles and ideas. There's too much politics in Ireland, which is about who's the party name, what's the party colour, what's the personality, what's the flag. Well, it should be about ideas, it should be about principles, it should be about mm. the issues that impact on people's lives. And the more people... And, in, and next week, in the local elections, um, we have 15, I think 16, and I think mm. 12 of them are new candidates, community candidates, uh, running as independents in various parts around the country, supporting those policy principles. So, that, so it's about principles and ideas. The blunt answer to your question, Michael, and there's no easy answer to this, the blunt answer to your question is there is no party in, this, mm. in, the, in the state of Ireland, in the South, who shares policies and beliefs and is promoting them that, that Unite can support. That's the answer. So some platform and some agenda and some coalition needs to be created. And you're not just critical of political parties, you're also critical of the other trade unions. Well, look, at the, the, the Irish trade union movement is, 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 is represents a lot of workers in the public sector and in the private sector. 
We operate in an environment, for example, where in, in the Republic of Ireland, we've got poor, by European standards, we've got poor trade union rights. We've got no right for trade union recognition uh, on the statute books. We've got no right to access for, for, for to go into places like like the Ivy Restaurant, for example, where, 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 where people are having the tips that customers give uh, to the staff taken from them. We've got no right to go in there. I'm not sure that was raised in the doll by Joan Collins last week, I think. It was raised in the doll. But yeah, it was in the last few weeks, Michael, yeah. So the, trade, so, the, so the environment in which the trade union movement operates in Ireland, uh, you know, is, 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 is poor to begin with. I, I did say in my speech, and I say, I'm going to say it to you now again, the reaction of the trade union movement to the fiscal crash in 2008 and 2009 was pitiful. There was no reaction. There was no fight back. Mm. The, 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 the government moved in and took, I think, 65 billion euro of banking debt and put it on the shoulders of every man, woman and child in the state. The trade union movement's reaction as a movement was non-existent. The biggest fiscal crisis in our, in our history, the loss of economic sovereignty, there was, there, was a, there was a march, but there was no reaction. So, you know, there, there, there's certainly work to be done there. Yeah, and um, the, 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 Labour Party, the Labour Party response was to implement the policies of the Troika and uh, mm. the trade union movement response to that, or at least the SIPTU response to that, was to support the Labour Party in its efforts. Uh, but whilst, point, yeah. whilst you are critical of all political parties and critical of all of the other trade unions, it does make you sound as though you're the only soldier marching in line. You're doing a great job to make me sound like that, all right, Michael. Um, Michael, at the, I, I, would put, I would answer that question this way. We need an alternative in this country. It is not a controversial statement to say we've never had a left-wing government. It is a non, not a controversial mm. statement to say what the forces of the, what call themselves the political left mm. are showing themselves to be incapable of coming together. It is not a controversial thing to say that for 30 years in social partnership, the trade union movement became disconnected from many aspects of the working class. And it is not a controversial thing to say that we need to improve all of that. If I'm the only person saying it, as you suggest, then I think other people need to look at themselves more than me. Well, than United trade union. yeah, perhaps so. Is it controversial to say uh, that we're guilty of groupthink in uh, this country and uh, that uh, mm. there's a consensus of opinion on so many issues because we spend little time examining issues in this country uh, and uh, that if you look at what's happening in Venezuela at the moment, we've uh, the state broadcaster uh, every day putting out American propaganda, undoubtedly written by American uh, journalists uh, supporting uh, the uh, contention of Juan Guaido uh, against uh, the President uh, Maduro? Well, we are a country, uh, a small country, I suppose. We're a small country and with a small number of large parties who've always been in power and a, and a relatively tightly controlled and owned media. I think we are, it's clear, there are clear examples that group think um, not breaking with the consensus, whoever decides the mm. consensus, is a problem we have. We only have to look back to pre-crash. I'll give you two Irish examples. I'll come and talk about Venezuela if you like, but I'll I'll give you two Irish Mm. examples. We only have to look back to pre-crash in 2008, 2009. You could hardly get anybody to say that the the Irish, even even up until the point the the Troika arrived, the night before the Troika arrived, that there was a problem in the Irish economy. The fundamentals of the system were sound. I sat at a trade union conference, Michael, in in Bundorn, and the Taoiseach of the day, Bertie Ahern, 
months before the fiscal crash. Mm. The naysayers commit suicide. They told a few people who were Mm. talking down the economy, as he put it. Did they need to commit suicide? The, and he the, was applauded roundly by the conference. Ah, yeah, no, well, I'm not, I, I, I remember it quite well. I'm not sure he was so, a, a, applauded widely. Uh, was there was a lot. There. there was an awful lot of criticism. Well, uh, maybe at the conference, uh, there was an awful lot of criticism of what Bernie Aaron said. Rightly, In fact, I think he was forced to apologise for it, if I remember Rightly, correctly, the right criticism came afterwards. But when he, mm-hmm. had, when he uttered those words, mm-hmm. now, at the moment, at the moment, if we're talking about groupthink, and, and the biggest issue that we talk about in Irish politics at the moment, quite rightly, I think, is Brexit. Now, once the, the, once the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland made a decision collectively to leave the European Union, that, that posed an obvious question for us here. And the obvious question was this. If, if Ireland, this little island, um, four and a half million people stuck out in the west of Europe, if we can have a tariff-free relationship with the United Kingdom or a tariff-free relationship with the U- European Union, but not both, that was always going to be the question, by the way. But, and that question wasn't asked in the immediate aftermath of Brexit, and it was answered in default, practically without discussion, that our interests lay with a tariff-free relationship with the European Union. Now, that may well be the case. Mm. The point I'm making here is, it, is, is the answer was provided by default. We didn't have a proper debate about it. We didn't have a proper discussion about it. So I think, yes, groupthink is an issue. Okay. Uh, you know, I think I think groupthink is, is is absolutely an issue, and I and I and I appreciate Michael. Me and you have some really good jousts, but to be fair, I appreciate that you always give Unite, and you always give me and other spokespeople a chance to come on and uh, an alternative in an ass and an alternative views, and we need more of that. Okay, Brendan, I have to leave it there because uh, we're very tight on time because of the elections and so forth. But thank you indeed for joining us this morning, Brendan Ogle, senior officer with the Unite Trade Union. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. Now, the feuding gangs in Drogheda have been firing their guns here, there and elsewhere overnight. Gardaí in the town are reporting uh, shooting a gun attack at a house in the Beechwood Drive area of Marley's Lane. That just happened after midnight and the Irish Mirror is reporting today of how a gang leader in that feud dodged an assassin's bullets yesterday evening. We're joined by Niall O'Connor, who's crime editor with uh, the Irish Daily Mirror. Good morning to you, Nyland. Uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, this particular incident happened at 20 past five in Donamead. That's correct. Uh, outside Donamead Shopping Centre, uh, a man was walking in that area and a lone gunman approached him uh, and fired a number of shots in his direction but missed. And the man then uh, ducked and ran away from the scene. Uh, but it's believed that uh, sources have told the Irish Mirror that uh, this man is one of the leaders of the factions in the uh, Drogheda uh, gangman feud. Right, and at uh, 20 past five in the evening, Donamead Shopping Centre would be a pretty busy place to be, I take it? Absolutely, and as, as we've seen in the past, these people, uh, these criminals from Drogheda, don't care very much at all for, I suppose, what the military would term collateral damage is probably how they'd see it, mm. um, but they certainly don't care about the community, and they uh, Yesterday, that was exactly the same. I mean, we've seen in the past, certainly, where they've uh, taken uh, guns in an attempt to kill each other. 
uh, and innocent people have been walking past in the middle of that. So, no doubt about it. I mean, it's been very frightening to think of uh, guns being fired in the M1 retail park, which uh, people would be very familiar with, indeed, uh, on Hardman's Gardens. Uh, and it's believed that the target in this attack in Donamede has a, an address in Moneymore, is in his 20s and was involved in the shooting on the house in Hardman's Gardens. Yeah, it, it w- you know, there's a, a number of sources would be saying that this man would be, we say, a senior player and may have organised or at least been involved in, in you know, getting the getting the people together to carry out that for, that shooting. Um, and uh, he's well known to the party. He's a massive target for their anti-gangland operation, Drahada. Uh, and uh, this would have been, uh, you know, if he were killed yesterday. Well, it could have it could have solved the feud, but it may have uh, even made it even more worse um, because some of his friends would have uh, clearly tried to retaliate. So mm. then, obviously, then last night there was a retaliation, um, and this is a tit for tat uh, feud now at this stage, and uh, you know it is super violent, uh, super aggressive. Uh, the Gardaí have a special operation in place, Operation Stratus. Uh, the difficulty for them is, though, that this seems to be a very move, moving, uh, kind of a fluid situation. Yeah. Uh, and as they take guns off the street, they're, this, this group are getting more... Um, these groups, in fact, are getting uh, opportunities then to get more firearms. So uh, this is clearly very, very challenging for the Gardaí, but the, the, this operation, operation Stratus though, seems to be... It's kicking into gear. But I suppose, as we've seen with previous... Uh, feuds, uh, you know, the the big machinery of the state just takes a little bit of time to get going, but uh, certainly mm. they, they have made a number of arrests in recent days with regard to drug uh, importation in the Drogheda area, which is directly linked into this, because let's be honest mm-hmm. about it, there's no other reason for this feud other than greed. But this seems uh, to be spreading at the same time, Niall, does it? I mean, I, I noted in your article this morning uh, that you're reporting some of uh, the gang members are moving out of the town for their own safety. This shooting at Donamede Shopping Centre yesterday evening, uh, then you say that uh, the car involved in that was found out burned out in Rathmullen, an arson attack in Moneymore, then a shooting on Marley's Lane. Uh, and uh, there's a, a curious quote uh, in your article today uh, from somebody you've been speaking to uh, who said uh, that uh, the assassination attempt yesterday was an attempt by one of the gangs to launch a decapitation strike against the leader of their opposing faction. Yeah, uh, look, it, you know, without doubt, right, look, there was information, we'll say, in recent weeks that these gang members are, that there are certain gang members, they've had to move out of Drahada to get away from uh, the potential for uh, easy strikes. So it's my information that this person was in around Donamede area. Whether he's living there or not, uh, is, oh, he, he had a reason to be in Donamede yesterday. And clearly the other side of the gang knew that. And that would, that would suggest that that other side of the gang had some knowledge of his movements and why he would be in Donamede. You know, I would say to people, you know, it, it is worrying to suggest that it's now moving into North County Dublin and it's it's moving closer mm-hmm. towards other other areas. But this is just this is the nature of it. You know, we've seen in Limerick where you know gang members would would live in uh, you know they'd leave Limerick City and they'd they'd live in County Tipperary or they'd live in South South Limerick to get away from the immediate threat. This money more area is under significant well it's 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 essentially besieged mm. by these people 
And, uh, you know, they've tried to move away from there. I, I would suspect that, you know, innocent members of their families, and indeed there are innocent members of, the, of families here that have no connection at all to criminality, they're getting mixed up in these things. And uh, I think to protect that, or at least I'm sure there's a lot of, we say, disquiet within these people's families to, uh, they want to get them away from themselves so that they're not, the okay. innocent aren't as much a threat. But the, mm. the difficulty here, look, for the Gardaí is that it is a movable feast mm. and it, it, it is crossing county borders and it is potentially, as we've seen in Dublin with the Dublin feud, you know, you know, there's been shootings in Wexford with regard to the Dublin uh, Hutchkinnon feud. So, look, this yep. is the way these people operate. Another busy night. Niall, thank you indeed for joining us this morning. Niall O'Connor, Crime Editor with uh, the Irish Daily Mirror. Now, Wednesday morning means uh, that uh, the local newspapers are available to us and to you and your local news agents. Marie Kearns is here with us and indeed the front pages of this week's local newspapers. We're going to start in Mead with the Chronicle. We are indeed, Michael. And it's good news on the front page of the Mead Chronicle and Kells, in particular with the paper reporting that a major employment boost is on the cards for the Mead, the town, with 50 new jobs announced for the business park. According to the story, Abellio Productions Limited is to take over the former Rooney's Hardware Building and will manufacture paper products using cutting-edge technology. So good news there. Moving to the Argus, also good news, Michael. Mm. Another jobs bonanza on the way there, with the Argus reporting that a local firm is to create 30 jobs by next year. Anord Mardex will be taking on 100 workers by the middle of next year following the official official opening of the first phase of its new purpose-built facility yesterday at Tanola House on the Coes Road. Okay, very good. And jobs for young people on the telly. Absolutely. I think everybody in the dog would probably be tuned into a Channel 4 four-part series called The Virtues, which begins this evening. The reason why? There is six local children uh, being featured in this uh, and also two of the children's fathers, uh, from what I'm told. Very so good. everybody be watching that. All right, that's the front page of the Dundalk Leader. That's the right. Democrat is leading with uh, the gangs and their drugs. Yes, and that's the story. Uh, they, they have an interview with Councillor Worry Worker, who we had on the show saying that an escalation of gang violence in Dundalk could ultimately lead to murder if left unchecked. There's also an interesting story on page 7 about the lack of housing supply and loud driving rents up to an all-time high. So that's worth the read, Michael. There's a good breakdown there. All right, and we'll finish this week with uh, the Drogheda Independent. Uh, it's uh, the gangs or their produce or the dealers themselves who are selling the drugs yes, uh, who yes. make for the front page. Th- they're going with the line that dealers will lose dole uh, if... Uh, you know, if the superintendent has his way, that he's warning the dealers were coming after your social welfare, that they're getting, they're not uh, working and they're getting all the benefits, says the chief super. And then there's a story on page 10, Michael, focusing on confusion over the boundary change in Drogheda for the local elections, as we all know by now, or at least we mm. should. The town has been split into two, Drogheda Rural and Drogheda Urban, and emphasising the, the confusion. Uh, 84 College Rise is in one rural area, is one electoral area, and 85 is in the other. <laughs> okay, and that's the same street? Yes. Next door neighbours? Well, no, they're back no. to back. Okay, they're the back to back. The way the numbers are, they're back to back. Okay. So, right. so section of the state. And I think that's mm. the same through a number of estates in the town. Okay. So candidates from both electoral areas right. are having right. to come into those estates. Well, I have no idea why people are confused if that's the case. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, thank you for that, Marie. Thanks uh, uh, indeed uh, for those uh, stories. If you'd like to comment on uh, any of those stories or indeed if there's something else you've been hearing or if there's a, an issue that you would like to raise with us on the programme as always we'd love to hear from you our telephone number is 185715958 Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM, LMFM. 
On the 24th of May, you're being asked to vote in uh, the local and European elections as well as a referendum on divorce. In the European elections in this constituency, there are 17 candidates and in between now and polling day, we're hoping to speak to each of the 17 candidates. Today, we're speaking with one of the Fianna Fáil candidates in the Midlands Northwest constituency to the European Parliament elections, Brendan Smith, who's come into the studio to talk to you and a very good morning to you and uh, thank you indeed uh, for joining us here this morning. Uh, perhaps morning, uh, you tell us a, a little bit about your campaign uh, and uh, why you'd like uh, to move from being a TD for Kevin Monaghan uh, to a member of the European Parliament. Well, in, in the middle of March, um, our party had a convention and I was very glad to be chosen by the delegates and um, I have substantial parliamentary experience in Dáil and substantial ministerial experience. Mm. And of course, the, the European Union at this time faces critical challenges. It faces challenges in regard to funding, mm. cap reform is needed, we have Brexit, we have the need to protect the Good Friday Agreement. The, my, minister, my experience, plus my determination to deal and advocate strongly in relation to the interests of concern to the constituents right across Connacht, Ulster and Leinster. And those issues, we we need to send MEPs to the European Parliament who want the European Union to work. You're obviously not that confident, though, and you're obviously worried uh, that you'll lose out on the prospect of a seat because Fianna Fáil has decided to run two candidates in this constituency and Matt Carthy is probably going to win the day. But have you not got a, a brass neck criticising Matt Carthy because if he runs in the general election he'll uh, give up a, a seat in the European Parliament because you're giving up your seat in the doll to go to the European Parliament. Yeah, but the elected. people know what I do. But um, the people know what Matt Carthy is well, doing. Matt Carthy is cho- has been chosen by the Sinn Féin party to contest the Cabin constituency. There can be a general election in, in, in some month's mm. time. We don't know when it'll be. But the one thing about it is he's seeking a, a mandate mm. from the people but of this co- constituency. If you're but elected next pe- week, somebody would have to be co-opted to your seat. They wouldn't be co-opted. They would be elected. There'd be no co-option, mm. not a replacement. Because mm. I, I'll not decide, if I'm successful mm. in the European Parliament, I don't su- decide who mm. would succeed me and Kevin Monaghan. Mm. But I'm, I'm concentrating on getting elected to the European Parliament because I have a determination to deal with the issues that are of concern right throughout mm. our 13 counties. I'm not a person, a single issue candidate or protest candidate. I believe that my experience and my determination to deal mm. with the issues, to represent the people strongly be it from CAP, be it, mm. be it commuters in our, in our towns be it the Brexit issue, be it the need to, to mm. ensure that the Good Friday Agreement is protecting all its aspects. But that's, uh, that's my determination. Odd, and, odd that you engaged in negative campaigning. I don't engage that. in negative mm. campaigning. I always put the facts mm. out there that's what I've always been known for and I'm putting my proposals before the electorate the electorate will decide. They're getting Brendan Smith so they are. They know if they elect me that I will work for them for the next five years God willing in the Parliament. Okay, the European Commission are casting an eye over this country at the moment and uh, as to whether there's an insurance cartel operating in uh, this country, you have said uh, as part of your policy campaign that you want to bring about a a level playing field uh, and that that should be done through uh, the European uh, bodies. Uh, Are you happy with what the Commission are doing at the moment? Well, the Commission, it's potentially significant that they've indicated that they will carry out this investigation. Actually, for the past number of years, the Fianna Fáil Party, we've used a considerable amount of our parliamentary uh, private members' mm. time to deal with, with insurance issues. As a result of a, of a private member's motion that we 
got passed in Dáil Aird with the support of other parties as well, the cost of, wor- of insurance working group was established. It outlined recommendations and the government have not implemented those recommendations as were suggested and proposed in that report. And you take the whole area there was to be a, a, a particular unit within Angarda Síochána to deal with fraud. Mm. There was to be the national database mm. established. That hasn't been done. Every single county that said I it was going to make it happen, didn't it? But, but we, we are not the government. Mm. But, but, but you didn't make it happen. But some of the mm. recommendations have been our party spokesperson, mm. Michael McGrath, all, mm. all of us, our party leader, all of us have mm. been tabling parliamentary questions, urging the government to implement the recommendations. Mm. Every county that I've been in, Michael, insurance costs arise. Yesterday morning in, in Navan, mm. at, at the County Mead Chamber, the issue arose in regard to prohibitive insurance. There are businesses mm. now going out of business. But that was one of the issues that Fianna Fáil walked up the hill about, wasn't it? No, it, it, mm. was, it was mm. not provided from confidence mm. by as such. But we have been working away, putting forward detailed legislation, putting forward private members' motions that the, 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 the doll and the Iraq disagrees with. But the government have, to their shame, mm. been neglectful in implementing these recommendations. And what, what is happening now is we don't have competition. Mm. P- people, be it a motorist, be it a householder, be it a business, be it a community or sporting organisation, they are getting bills now that they're, they're frightened with the level of increase, the increase in the premium, mm. in the premium, and some places now are questioning whether they can continue their insurance cover. It's and a shame the, to see the, that. The competition happening. commissioner, Margaret Vestager, may bring about that change. She's a wonderful person, isn't she? Which her job. But is, uh, is, she, is, is to, she's a very wise she, person, She's a very she? formidable commissioner. Mm, but yeah. that's why we have asked for an EU-wide... Mm. That's why we want an EU-wide insurance market. Mm. But you didn't, people you, can you, benefit you, from competition. You, you didn't like her when she said that uh, Apple had received £13 billion in state aid from the Irish state. Yeah, but we, we don't go on the basis of, of, of liking. You deal, with, you deal with, with commissioners or ministers or representatives of other governments in a professional manner. Mm. We're entitled to stand up for what, what we believe is right. We're entitled to compliment a commissioner or another head of government if we believe they're doing the right thing and at the same time but you we pick and choose right. when to support her but no we, we pick and choose on the issues we decide on the issues on the content of the issue not on the not on the, on the person who holds the office of commissioner it's the, it's the content of the decision or the proposal they are putting forward that we judge people on as mm. a party so you don't want the 13 billion or the 19 billion with interest but you do want her to bring down the cost the, the, of insurance we want her to bring down the cost of insurance and we want as much competition as possible in all sectors and that's the mm. value of the single market and you know there are people seeking election who would have questioned um, the suitability of a single market for the European Union at the time we see the advantages of the single market when we're trying we are an exporting company we export product we export 80% of what we produce the single market concept has been extremely beneficial for Ireland because we have ready access to almost 500 million people in the European Union that's the competition sector Mm. is part of the single market that's why the work of the competition commission and the director is so important in relation in relation to try and ensuring that the consumers are not overburdened with unnecessary costs and that if there are cartels that they are rooted out. Talk to us uh, about Brexit uh, because we've uh, spoken to you many times uh, in recent months about the prospect of uh, the United Kingdom leaving the European Union as uh, a border-based TD. You're in touch with this as much as anybody else, if not more so. Uh, do you believe uh, that the prospect has rescinded or heightened, as the case may be. Well, I think Britain will leave, leave the European 
union and unfortunately you know I I spoke on, on your show I think back in 2015 a year before the Brexit referendum where I expressed my concern in relation at, the, at that time and how the how it would impact adversely on us if Britain were to leave the European Union M- Mrs May apparently has put in a proposal before her, the parliament in the early June look at Brexit has already happened Mm. It has created uncertainty. I know of businesses that, that did not go forward with investment proposals because they didn't know what the lie of the land would be in regard to their potential markets or their existing markets. And you take an area like our counties, mm. Loudmead, Cavan, Monaghan, right along the border there. We have a, we have a, a, a very fine engineering, technology, construction product sector. Those sectors are very heavily dependent on the Northern Ireland and British market to export their products to. I know that uncertainty has set in for some of those particular businesses because we don't know what tariffs will be put in place if there's not an agreement between Britain and the European Union. And also you have to factor in as well a fluctuating currency. So Brexit is a huge issue for our country. But Brexit doesn't end the day Britain leaves the European Union. There will be residual and very important issues to be decided for years to come. And I hope Britain passes the withdrawal agreement. Mm. But then what what we very importantly need to get is a good trading relationship, a good future relationship between Britain and the European Union that will determine how Britain and Europe goes about its daily business. There are huge interdependencies between North and South, between Ireland and Britain, between Britain and the European Union. So we want to ensure that all those key interests are protected. And of course we have the Good Friday Agreement. Mm-hmm. Those of us who grew up in the border communities, be it Loud, be it Loud, Cavan, Monaghan, look at, we were liberated through the workings of the Good Friday Agreement. There was a massive transformation in society, south and north of the border. We have to ensure that that international agreement that is lodged in the United Nations, that the two governments are co-guarantors of, that that is not diminished in any aspect of its workings. That's the work that, we, that I would be glad mm-hmm. to do in the European Parliament as a representative for the for the Midlands okay. Northwest constituency. Yep. Those are the proposals I'm putting before the electorate we in this election. To speak to you before the election uh, for a second time uh, as part of your campaign, but our time has run out this morning. But thank you indeed uh, for coming into us today and for joining us on the programme. Fianna Fáil candidate uh, in the European Parliament elections for this constituency, the Midlands Northwest. That's Brendan Smith, TD. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, as I said before the break, we're with candidates uh, today in uh, the Laytown, Bettystown electoral area in uh, the local elections which are to be held on Friday of next week. Paddy Mead of Fine Gael, Anthony Connor of Direct Democracy Independent, Tom Kelly and Fina Falls, Wayne Harding are with us. Good morning to all of you and thanks uh, for coming. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Anthony Connor, uh, you're the only one of uh, the four candidates with us uh, this morning that hasn't uh, been uh, elected as yet, uh, I'm sure you'd argue. Uh, so tell us why you think you might be elected this time or why you've decided to, uh, to stand uh, and why direct democracy Ireland. Well, in my honest opinion, Michael, I think people are hungry for change. I think um, the same old politics been regurgitated over the last five years and, I, and the feedback I'm getting at the doors is, is people are confused who to vote for because the representation they have at local level is non-existent you know, what we have on council are nodding donkeys yes men as far as I'm concerned so what we're looking for is to get somebody in there like myself who will hold the civil servants to account, 
because we have a situation now at this moment in time where it's the civil servants dictating what happens. And I think it's time for change. I think it's time to put somebody in there who's no longer willing to accept that. Okay, well, I'm sure uh, the city councillors are all offended in equal amounts after that. Uh, Tom Kelly, you're the most experienced of the politicians with us. Uh, Do you consider yourself to be a a nodding donkey? Anything but a nodding donkey. Never have been in all my years on the council. I've always uh, put my ideas forward and pursued them to eventual. And the problem is it takes so long to get anything finalised. It takes years and then approval from central government. We are a central controlled local authorities by central government and everything has to be agreed and approved by government. So we have very little scope, very little power. The only real power that we have is in the county development plan and Mm. local area plans. So to some extent you agree with what Anthony Connor said in that uh, the civil servants, as he put it, the executive holds a, a lot of the power, but that's out of your control yourself. Yeah, uh, mm. the, the legislation for local authorities and local government mm. is that it is controlled by government and uh, we are just rubber stamping what the government wants, government policy. Mm. So it's not a case of if we put forward any ideas, they have to go back to the government, go back to the central control, and if they agree, they will allow it, and if not, they will, you get no funding for it, you get no approval. Mm, okay. That is the problem. And as I said, I expect all of the candidates to be offended in equal amounts. Am I right, Brian Harding? Offence? I, I, I don't take offence. I think um, everybody is entitled. To, we're, we're in a, a democratic yeah. process. We're going for election. I think Anthony is entitled to have Call you a opinion. nodding donkey. But, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, am I nodding? Mm. Um, no, I, I think I have uh, greatly impacted on my community, uh, my, my work track record is there. Um, I've made an effect on me County Council. Um, we, we have powers to adopt budgets. Mm. It was £124 million that we adopted um, this, the, most, the most recent one. I've made an impact in my community. We're uh, not going for national politics, but national politics mm. does drop down to area level and, and we understand that. But um, I've made a huge impact on my community as a local councillor, going in to meet County Council, fighting for the issues that have been raised and have been raised on the doorsteps over the last, this is my seventh week, going door to door and listening to people. They're raising issues and it is my job um, after May the 24th, should I be Mm -hmm. successful, to go and argue the points that have been raised at the doorsteps. Paddy Mead. Thanks for having me on. And mm. look, I suppose the term not in donkey, and in a ter- way, I, I half agree. Look, reality is 90% of everything that. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Goes in front of the council is not a to, mm. is, is agreed to. Sadly, though, I'm not one of them. I'm probably quite often the lad in the back of the room shouting up for what I believe in. And has it been successful? Yes, many a times it has been. I remember when I start, started shouting at the first year about Lobenson Playground, a lot of people didn't believe mm. it happened. We made it happen. Getting more roads onto the winter gritting route, getting the roads budget increased. There was, there's a number of things where I can definitely say my influence in the room made a difference. Uh, and sometimes that was working with the executive but sometimes that's holding them to account and being firm and saying you know if this doesn't get changed I won't be able to back the budget and getting you know a change of opinion so like yes we have big impact on the county development plan but we also have on budgets as was as one of the kind of full-time councillors mm. i get great time to go through these things analyze them in depth and then from that it delivers mm. better results okay well let's uh tease it out a little bit more. I suppose uh, some might think it was an interesting headline to call sitting councillors nodding donkeys, Anthony Cotter. But uh, apart from denigrating people, what do you mean by it? Give us an issue that you would suggest the councillors have failed on. Well, I think they failed on the uh, discretionary fund, for example. I think it's an absolute disgrace that councillors would accept the payment to vote in a certain way. And no matter what you say in relation to, they can't justify the, the payment of discretionary fund. Well, it's okay. 2.4 million from the budget. How do you mean? Do you want to come in there? Okay. <laughs> so, and Anthony has made a big mm. thing about this mm. on Facebook, right? Mm. The Farley councillors, we control a budget of 124 million, mm. right? And now, specifically, the councillors are given control over 12,000. And yes, mm. some of them have split it up and given it to a load of community mm. groups and residents associations and got a lot of kudos and probably votes out of it. Where did my money go, Anthony? That is a big question. So I put mine into LIS and CIS schemes. So from that, I get 10 times that. So from instead of the there, I suppose, 60,000 that I, uh, most councillors got in the five mm. terms. I've got an extra 600,000 into roads, and in, which is going into roads and footpaths and uh, housing uh, estates. LIS is local improvement local, schemes. And CIS is the community involvement scheme. Right. With, okay. And so there's housing So you've given that money back to the community. Yeah. All right. Uh, but, what, what, what have you done with your discretionary fund, uh, Wayne Harding? Can I just point out, Michael? No, no, no. It's, no, it's no, not you, that no, money. No, no. Well, this is the it's issue. No, 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 no. Hold on. You've yeah. you made a point. Let, let them you. respond. You've criticised them, so they have a right to reply. And Anthony's actually absolutely correct. It's it's not our money. It's it's with our, at our mm. discretion. Mm. And the idea behind it, the fundamental idea behind the discretionary fund, is that we are the people on the ground who know where the needs are within the community. Paddy is correct um, in relation to um, the, the CIS and, mm. the, and the, the, I have contributed to those schemes in Lobenstein. Well, what right it means is you're extent. given discretion to spend council money. But 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 hear me out, yeah. uh, Michael. Right. Yeah. The, the, I've invested in the roads in, in, um, mm. in Dollardstown, Beaupark, in, in Kellystown and right into Lobenstown mm. as we have done and he's right you multiply that once you put that discretion in because we know where those, where those mm. roads look, looked like the face of the moon 
uh, there, there was that many potholes in them yeah. and had been for 40 years. Okay. We know where they are. So, so most, most of your listeners so don't know that So you've used your discretion to spend the money in the same way Paddy has by putting it back into the community. Absolutely. Okay. Plus, plus mm-hmm. community groups, mm-hmm. which, which yeah. is, is also, sure, Paddy yeah. said that yeah. it, it was, you know, it's community groups and residents association. Yeah. That's a multiple as well because yeah. these people are volunteers. Yeah, and you're there's charities and many NGOs and voluntary groups that benefit from the discretionary funds. And uh, we see where it's best spent, uh, we uh, believe. Uh, yeah. And that's our discretion. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, people can suggest that that's questionable as a, a policy uh, and it could be used in order to influence people to vote in there's a very, certain there's way. Very strict, there's many different There's arguments, very strict criteria but it, but how I, we spend I, it. But I don't there's think very any, strict well, criteria I don't how think, we spend it. Well, I don't think anybody is pocketing it. I think that's the point. Okay. Tom, yeah. Ke- Tom Kelly, uh, how have you used your money? Well, it's the only discretionary funding that councillors get mm. out of the budget every yeah. year, and that has been now for the last five years. Well, it actually years. gives power. I mean, we were <coughs> hearing yeah. a moment ago that it you don't have any power. power so actually it also uh, gives uh, re- a reward mm. to the voluntary groups, the yeah. local groups, the tidy towns, the football mm. clubs, and the various other yeah. community efforts that are being carried out within the local community and uh, within the immediate area. Mm. And this is what it's all about, helping people who are volunteering, giving their time, giving their uh, own expenses of travelling and all of this and family and everything else. So I think it's quite adequate and it's not a great reward for them. Mm. But it's an acknowledgement of the great work that all these voluntary groups are doing within the You community. wouldn't have any groups that you'd like to recognise? Uh, uh, absolutely. But the point is, is, these are all very worthwhile causes. But the point is, is that this money is paid to the councillors to vote in a certain way. Not and paid to us. That's not. not that's wrong. That's no. totally wrong. You just wrong. took credit for paying because you helped this group and, and other groups and worthwhile groups. No, so roads. you you used the phrase two seconds ago, my money. No, I didn't. Y- you did. No, Absolutely I didn't. did. We can get a recording of this show mm. when you'll hear. I never mm. used that. I, mean, I, I, I think he might have said my discretionary I, I funding. Actually, yeah. I actually yeah. said yeah. that it's not our money, yeah. Yeah. if you, if oh. you remember but the point, But the point is, Michael, and I think it's a very important point, that that comes from what's collected from the local property tax. No, hold on a second. No, it's, you, it's you, not. You, no. It's not. It's our overall budget. Yes, which comes from the local property tax. No, it's only part of it. It's only part of the local budget. That's all. Anyway, the money, the payment is made, Michael, on the basis that they don't reduce the local property uh, uh, tax. And if you were elected to, to be a that's totally a false. That's false to think that we get that money because we don't. We haven't changed the local property tax in the last five years. Either exactly, up and that's or down. why you get the money. So that's no reason why we get the money. The reason is that we use the money to. Uh, enhance it's the part county of, the local, of Mead it's part of the local support. government yeah. act it applies yeah. to councillors all over the country yeah. that's just a completely uh, false statement it's not yeah. a false statement no. it's a completely it's, false it's statement not are you saying, and, so, and so hold on a second you're suggesting that the three men sitting in this room have been bribed by the officials of Mead County I, I wouldn't use the word bribe you have yeah, well, no, well explain what you're saying hang on exactly what I'm saying Michael is that is if they voted to reduce the local property tax this payment would not be given that's to outrageous it's not that's absolutely outrageous if that was the case then there would be services curtailed within the county if we reduce the property tax. Mm. I mean, like, it's just not one item. Mm. It is a total budget mm. for the whole county. And if we reduce the property tax, we reduce the services but that the council provides. But you're, nobody in the right mind would believe that. I mean, if this wasn't a, an election statement and the people weren't listening to that as a purely political piece of nonsense, uh, then there would be a risk of having libelled every member of Mead County Council as a, a result of suggesting that they're subjected to fraudulent behaviour by the officials and the officials. 
officials. Yeah, putting words in my mouth. I never said fraudulent. Well, that's the way it sounds. Um, let's uh, move on now to some of uh, the other issues. Uh, there's a, a, a very busy constituency uh, to talk uh, about, uh, but uh, of course, uh, the slain bypass continues to be a problem, Wayne. Uh, this is uh, an issue that you worked on for many years, uh, as indeed many others have, uh, but it continues to be an aspiration. Um, well, it's more than an aspiration because it, um, there was a million euros allocated to it last year and another million this year. It's going back to planning. Um, every day the, the, the traffic in Slane is building up. It's a 600-year-old bridge. And I have to say, you've always, um, I think your editorial comment on it is, is in, of support, I believe. And I think that no, nobody in the right mind would would not want um, to see the village of Slane being bypassed. Um, no, UNESCO. Might not. Well, it, at the moment, and they prefer, and I was on your show, and it has mm. been delayed because the traffic uh, uh, count levels, and it's a very, very complex issue. Mm. But they do believe that when you when it, when something is refused, which it has been, and you mm. notice in two thousand and twelve, uh, there were reasons for refusal. It's about four or five pages long, and they're going through addressing the reasons for refusal, and it is their complete yeah, opinion it is their complete opinion with, with Bruno with, Boyne with, with, that's the reason Tom Kelly you come from uh, no, no, the Green no, Party no. pool uh, do you, do you uh, believe can, in Michael, the Michael before you let Tom in can mm. I just mm. say that it is my absolute belief as it is other academics within archaeology that both can be accommodated the slain bypass and the status of World Heritage in, okay. in, in, in Brunabonia. But we know the planning authority didn't agree no, last but, time but, around. No, but, but, but they're, they, are, they are being addressed as we speak. Is there a consensus on this? You, uh, well, I certainly would support uh, the Slam bypass. Mm-hmm. And like we had the M3 bypass of Tara and mm-hmm. all of that. And we had yeah. serious objections on mm-hmm. uh, undertakings th- at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But now it is done, it is complete, and there's no complaint whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it is a success. And I can't see why a slam bypass similarly after a few years can have the success that the M3 has had in Mead. Okay, is there a consensus on this, Anthony Connor? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have the in-depth knowledge that the elected councillors have in relation to where it is at this stage, but I think it's absolutely essential that this bypass Mm -hmm. is built. Paddy Mead, I'm sure the same. Oh, yeah, but I suppose one big big thing is, you know, when when it got reviewed in 2012, of course Bruno Bonnie and that is a massive factor, but Mm. we must realise that, you know, in in some way, the Burton Island was critical of the council for not looking at all alternative options, and that's why these surveys and studies are being done at the moment. But Mead Council policy is very very clear that they're working to get this bypass. And whether the four councillors here are elected or not elected, that will remain the policy of the council. Mm. Uh, you know, so me, myself and the other councillors here, we, we will encourage it and push mm. it on. But the council policy is clear at the moment. They are going for the bypass. And it's a slow process, but they are crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And, you know, to make sure that when they push that application in, it's completely clear. Michael, can I, can I say something in yeah. relation to what Tom mm. said, in mm. relation to slain bypass? We have the M3 now. Mm. And as part of this application, and Paddy said, dotting the I's and t- crossing mm-hmm. the T's, mm-hmm. um, the visual impact that, that was, was so much scare about in relation to the M3 and Tara, they're actually putting in about, this is what it is now, 10 years later, mm. and, and what was predicted at the time of the application. And I think that's important. Okay, all right. Uh, let's stay with environmental issues, uh, or uh, if uh, we can look back on the objections uh, to uh, the bypass uh, and indeed the M3, a lot of them had to do with uh, the environment uh, and uh, you've uh, issues to do with biodiversity in the Nanny Estuary, Tom Kelly. Tell us uh, what your concerns are there. 
Oh, well, I think it's an ideal location and it is a preserved area. And uh, unfortunately, uh, initially, when I came to Lentown first, it was a municipal dump at that area. And when the uh, council wanted to put in a park and ride on that site, uh, the uh, Environmental Protection Agency insisted that it would be cleared out and the cost was prohibitive to me, County Council. So it hasn't been done. Only a part of the dumping that w- took place there from builders and all of this was removed. But the, the site is still there and uh, it will not, the Council have abandoned the idea of putting mm. a car and park there. Well, put a car park on the other side of the road, which is more adjacent to the railway station and more convenient for people and uh, that is the next project that I would be working on mm. along with the bypass of Julianstown which is a major hazard and indeed Dulik itself. The traffic in all of those small villages is horrific and the noise, pollution and everything else. So it's absolutely essential that all of those issues uh, are addressed. The three bypasses the Slane, Dulik and Julianstown. So it gives us a much better enhancement and uh, the villages are decimated with mm. the traffic and I mean I was just coming in there this morning myself we had to wait in the queue and was queued back up to Smithstown so the thing and that's every morning and, and people coming home in the evening they can't get out at Mosney Road because mm. of the traffic coming home so it is a serious major issue that has to be dealt with mm. and that to me is a priority the next council. Mm, I'm sure everybody's aware of the traffic in the area. It's hard not to be. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Anthony Connor? What, what, what can be done from a council level? From council level, I mean, it's important that the funding is injected into these areas, and especially with the park and ride. Um, um, I mean, if you go to Leyte on any day, you've cars parked up on banks, like literally abandoned. Like, mm. And God help people that are trying their best to get to work and do things. So I think um, in relation to having the car parked, the other side of the estuary would be a, a a better option and it was something that I would definitely support you know and um, also uh, from a perspective with the short hop zones to make sure mm. that we try and uh, include from Drogheda to Laytown in the short hop zone to bring down the price like because it's of the it's, trains yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's absolutely tickets, horrific yeah. that mm-hmm. it's the same mm-hmm. price from Drogheda mm-hmm. to Laytown as it is from Drogheda to Balbriggan mm. that's just nonsensical it just doesn't make sense yeah well it's a, a long fought campaign it many is, have yeah, tried before yeah, you yeah. Uh, and Ian Roderan don't seem to uh, yeah they're, they're not pushing but, but, uh, but I think with the right focus I mean, you know, approaching the right people, like, you know, within transportation, I think it could, mm. it could be a campaign one, you know. Mm. Tom Kelly. Yeah, well, I think that the electrification of the railway service from Drogheda to Dublin and then put the dart on it, the then dirt. you'll have more mm. convenient and more services to the area. Mm. And that the anomaly between the charges is the same from Laytown to Balbriggan mm. as it is from Balbriggan to Dublin. Mm. So, in fact, it's a whole thing as farcical. But the excuse that Aaron O'Dearden uses, that they haven't the trains and they haven't got parking facilities mm. at Connolly for more trains. So the only answer is the dart. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, the dart is envisaged uh, is, to come yeah, all the way to Drogheda. Uh, but many other things, but yeah, it takes years mm-hmm. and years to achieve. Yeah, the short hop argument, uh, I think, uh, is one that uh, was fought uh, over and again by John Bruton uh, amongst others uh, but uh, undoubtedly uh, the movement of people is difficult uh, it could be solved if there were more jobs locally Paddy Mead is that something that oh, can oh, be definitely. supported by the council definitely and look from from late town to Slane you see most people are working in Dublin and so every day everyone is leaving and I suppose one of the very annoying things and because of national uh, the whole county development plan got delayed and, and so in my term as a councillor and five years and I came in as 
uh, as background in architecture, mm. and I was very excited about the idea of getting to work on a county development plan, which is pretty much painting what you want the county to look like five and ten years into the future. But it's very important. Like when Leytown Bay is down Morrington, that whole area was zoned basically all for, for housing. Yeah. There was no balance, mm. and it's very important that going into the future, we we think this out very well. There has to be areas of jobs in, in you know industrial estates may not sound that nice, mm. but really we need them in that area. We need jobs in that area. You know between that area going. Like there would be some people that would nearly zone the whole area there back to the M1 and have you know Leytown, Bettyton, Morrington to now combined is the mm. third biggest town in Mead. A lot of people listening here will find that hard to believe. It's Navan, Ashbourne, and then it's Leytown. And I remember going back yeah. fifteen years or so talking about houses built on floodplains with Tom right. Kelly and others yeah. at the time, and yeah. they're mm-hmm. still they're still building them. Uh, mm. So we need to get the county development plan changed. We need. <clears throat> a more of a focus there of community a town focus uh, that there is facilities in it and that includes mm. not just community things but it includes jobs uh, and industrial areas um, and I suppose that would be a big focus of mine and to be honest I was quite annoyed in the sense that we never got to work on the county development plan in a, in our term but not just in that area but in, in like in Delique we've got industrial centre you know there's more jobs in Delique but in Slane we don't probably have as many jobs as I'd like mm. to have I suppose I've worked with the re- retail excellence and I got a lot of the businesses in Slane in the Retail Excellence Awards, we won the happiest place on earth. Okay. And working with business and that, and well, that may be a bad word to say a politician's mm. working with business, but I don't. I think helping t- t- helping business helps jobs, and mm. that that has to be encouraged because you know making more jobs in Mead, we're not. We should not just be the commuter county for Dublin. Well, and that's something that I hold that thought for a minute because we are actually starting to run out of time. Uh, yeah, Wayne Harding, uh, maybe you take up on that because uh, well, I mean, I there's, there's the, the issues are, uh, of housing and movement, but it all comes down to jobs, doesn't it? Uh, it does, uh, but and, and, and I, I want to pick Paddy up on that point in relation to the, um, the county development plan. This is mm. the first time I don't, uh, Tom Kelly is a lot longer around, but that one sitting council didn't ad- adopt a county development plan. This is purely down to a PR stunt by the Fine Gael government that drops down to every single person in this county. Uh, the National Framework Plan, 2040. Um, there was a pa- pages of adverts for every Fine Gael TD brought out in the country be- <coughs> to, to announce this fabulous plan. And the, the actual legislation that had to pass through the doll stopped us from adopting a county development plan. There are a lot of things out there. There's people working on really clever schemes in rural Ireland and it's all on hold because of what was an elaborate, very expensive PR stunt. And yeah. that's an absolute fact. Yeah, I come fact. back on that. So uh, that is a fact. Well, hold that thought, because... But it, it's it, a, well, very I'm short, sorry. a very short well, response. I, I'll give you a moment to wrap yeah. up, uh, if you want to. But, but, that, but our time, I'm sorry, our He's, time has run out, Paddy, I'm sorry. So we're just going to wrap up and ask everybody to uh, conclude uh, by uh, using the time whatever way you will. Uh, but uh, Wayne Harding, uh, just a, a closing statement, please, first of all. Yeah, well, and, and I'm glad you brought up in, in, in your questioning of us the, this lane bypass, and I will keep keep fighting for it. It's the right thing to do for the people of Slane. The people of Slane have been very good to me for the last 10 years, I hope, um, on the 24th that they go drive for me. But the Boyne Greenway, and I've talked to you about this mm. and talked on other shows as well, and you're talking about jobs. The Boyne Greenway, I went to Waterford with, uh, as Cahir, look, Councillor Kelly, and, and the, the CEO down there gave us um, uh, two and a half hours of his time to talk about the uh, Dungarvan to Waterford uh, Greenway. It's an incredible success. 2,000 bikes. Just imagine what that could do with a World Heritage Site in the middle of it. Um, thanks, okay. Michael. Uh, Tom Kelly. Have to yeah, well, I would like to see a major investment in tourism in mm-hmm. the area because I believe that uh, the coastal area is 
not develop as it should be. I believe there should be a pier and lay town whereby boating facilities, water sports and all kinds of activities could take place if there was such a, a thing. Likewise, the boring navigation is not exploited. It is a major area for investment and when you go down to Carrick and Shannon and these various other areas on the Shannon and Erin and all of this, we see on the boating and all the people. So, I mean, like, there is a major opportunity for mead and tourism to expand and develop and bring more people into the area. Okay, we get 250,000, 300,000 into Newgrange, but they don't. They just pass through and, and they don't spend yeah. or stay over or anything else. Step off the bus. Step off and, in right. and away. And that's our problem and mm-hmm. has been our problem for so long. So a major review okay. of the tourism project in the county, particularly, but in our area more than any, uh, is necessary and must be worked upon in the next few Thanks years. Thanks for that, Kelly. Anthony Connor. <coughs> I actually agree exactly with Tom. I think mm-hmm. um, tourism is definitely under, underdeveloped in, in, in Mead. Um, I, I would also say that um, we have a unique position here given the Boyne Valley. I mean, we could really uh, uh, highlight that uh, when it comes to tourism. But I think also we could be the hub in Europe for growing organic foods and you know, because I mean, we could Ireland could supply the whole of your organic foods, and Mead would be a prime location for that. Like uh, Wayne, I would also definitely put the, at the top of my agenda the Slane Bypass. But also, I want to point out that South Drogheda, um, taken in the, the huge area that it is, uh, doesn't have proper representation of Mead County Council. And on the 24th of May, I would ask the people of South Drogheda to give me that focus. That's where the area I live in. Okay. Originally from the league, but living in South Drogheda. All right, and we'll conclude with Paddy Mead. Thank you. From Laytown to Lobenstown and to Leake and Slane and everywhere between, over the last five years, I've delivered results. I'm the only councillor for the last five years that sat on the Transport Policy Committee. And in there, I've delivered more roads funding, more roads being gritted. And not only on the theory end of on the practical end, the time of the snow, I clear roads, I cut hedges, I do the job. And I suppose I'm struggling here and I'll be fighting for probably one of the last seats. And so if anyone out there wants to keep me in the job, please come out and vote next Friday. Okay, well thanks to each of you for coming in to us uh, today. All of uh, the debates are being uh, filmed on Facebook Live. If you want to give uh, a nod to your supporters on our camera there, with uh, thanks uh, today to Finnegal candidate Paddy Mead, Direct Democracy Ireland candidate Anthony Connor, Tom Kelly, who's an independent candidate, and Fianna Falls Wayne Harding. Michael Reed on LMFM. Time now to find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns uh, joins us with some of uh, the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Michael, and to everybody listening in. I'm going to go to the election debate first because we've had some response already. John from Grange Geith phoned in and he says, I pay the full amount of property tax every year. Councillors can reduce it or increase it. And they have this discretionary fund that's being spent that they can use forever they want. Roads in my area are in a bad state. Through roads in a desperate state needing repairs. And then I see roads being done that are leading down to farms with no houses on them, cul-de-sacs and big money being spent on that. How is that fair? He wants to know. Right, well, I suppose that's under the local improvement scheme uh, that Paddy Mead mentioned earlier on and uh, the idea there is uh, that the residents pay in part, uh, they pay a percentage of uh, the cost uh, and on occasion sometimes some councillors as we heard this morning give their discretionary funding to the residents Mm. to help them with the cost. Catherine phoned in on the same topic says the discretionary fund goes back into the community one way or another Michael, nobody can argue against that the councillors get it and they give 
give it away at their discretion. However, if you're not in the know with the councillors, you are not going to benefit. Mm. So I suppose that yep. is a fair point. Well, there is questions, uh, I, I think, to be asked uh, about discretionary funding, but it's something that is made available to every That's elected right. member uh, in every council across the country under the Local Government Act, and uh, there are no strings attached. Yes, Mary says councillors are elected by us and they are given this funding. Surely they're in the position to decide areas or communities or associations that need this particular funding. I remember being, being involved in a charity and a councillor giving some money from his discretionary fund to this because it was a cause that was benefiting the community, says Mary. Mm -hmm. Joanne was in touch regarding the Slane bypass and says that she feels that the people of Slane deserve this bypass after all these years of dealing with so much heavy traffic in the village. It's so dangerous in the village, Michael, especially with the big lorries passing through. I'm nervous every day when I walk my children to school because of this. Mm. Yeah, well, it uh, continues to be an aspiration, as I, I said earlier on. Wayne Harding says it's a little bit more than that, uh, but until planning permission is granted, uh, because uh, that in itself could be a battle, uh, it will be an aspiration. A laytown for our listener, a laytown, a, lay, a listener from the Benetton Laytown area, didn't want to give her name, but just yeah. saying, Mike, listen to the debate, not a word on the need to take action to prevent all the dumping and antisocial behaviour that's going on in the beaches along our coastal area. Uh, I know that the council have looked at this, but still we are no way towards stopping it. I don't know if there's any solution to that. No, I don't think so. Uh, But uh, Tom Kelly did mention it uh, and... uh I think uh, everybody would uh, agree that something needs to be done about it. Okay, moving from that then to your interview at the top of the Mm. show, Brendan from Drogheda was listening to the interview with Brendan uh, Ogle. Ogle, that's right. Of the United Trade Union. That's right. Mm -hmm. And says, wondering, he was annoyed, uh, Michael. He's Mm. saying, why did you ask that representative, uh, would he invite Fine Gael members into the union? I feel that's wrong and it's political and I don't think you'd any right to ask him that. I'm a member of the United Trade Union. It's a fantastic trade union. It represents us all well and I think you're overstepping the mark there Michael yeah, Well, I'm Sorry but I'd have to take issue with that because uh, the United Trade Union says it is a, a politically inherent trade union and that it is a trade union that is trying to start a left wing political movement. Okay Martin wants to know Michael do you not like the United Trade Union? Trade unions are political in that they are fighting for people's rights. Shusip too is political. There's lots of unions that are political. I don't understand why you're having a go. I wasn't having a go at anybody. <laughs> That's just the way Martin uh, received it. Uh, I wasn't having a go at anybody. I only said Tony Blair was a warmonger and Brandon Ogle agreed with it. Uh, I wasn't having a go with anybody, apart from Tony Blair, of course, and George Bush and Donald Trump. Uh, Mairead from Drogheda was listening to your interview with Niall O'Connor from the Irish Mirror and says hopefully your guest is right that the Garda operation will bring an end to this feud. There's certainly been a lot of activity, Michael, in recent days between drug seizures, etc. So you're hoping that they will get on top of this. Yeah, well, undoubtedly so. uh, And it's an issue that continues and undoubtedly will continue for some time to come. Hold that thought, though, for a moment, uh, Marie, because we want to hear what other people think, uh, people that you've been speaking to, because we've been talking about the local elections you'd have to ask yourself why would you bother (laughs) go out to vote yeah
Well, that's what I was asking people. Yeah, let's hear what people had to say to Marie uh, and the issues uh, that will make them vote one way or another on Friday the 24th of May. The local elections are coming up. Is there any issues that would make you go out and vote? Yeah, I always vote. I think everybody should vote. We fought for hundreds of years to get the vote. And it's very important because if you didn't have people voting, you wouldn't be able to form a government or a county council. I think it's important who you vote for, especially at the moment. So what will make you decide? I would be very... I would be basically a socialist in my way of thinking, always. Uh, I always followed maybe Fianna Fáil in the old days, but, uh, you know, they've turned very much... You know, I'm a socialist, basically. But I'm also a Christian, very much so. And I would be very much against uh, the parties that have backed the abortion referendum because I know it's not freedom, it's the opposite. I I follow the teachings of the Catholic Church, which is true in that. My own granddaughter has no school next year to go to. She has to leave Trim to to try and find a a place in Kells, and they have no places in Kells because they don't have an autistic school in Kells. And nowhere in Trim can cater for autistic children? Well, they have one down there, and it's a brilliant one. She's in at the moment, but she has to leave because there's other children need the place that lives in Trim and unfortunately she's the one that has to go. And where does she live? Kells. That's a big issue for you? Very, very big issue at the moment it is. I live in Drawda so um, what's been the issue in Drawda for the last few months has really been the drug problem. So that's a big thing of it. They seem to be getting a handle on that now at the moment. The guards are being proactive in that, in that respect at the moment. So local, um, local knowledge on the street is that they are being proactive and getting a grip on these people so that's one of the things but uh, to be honest with you I don't have a lot of faith in, in in politicians at the moment because the way the government has got they don't seem to be making any of the big decisions the hospital in Dublin broadband all these things they just seem to be spending money after money after money and they're not really making any progress on it so there's so many politicians out there if you look at all the boards there's a lot of um, independence so I think there's too many people going for too many things. Um, <laughs> nothing? Oh, you not vote? really. Uh, no. You won't no. vote? No, no. Why no. would you not vote? I, I just don't vote. They're all the same. I couldn't be bothered. Well, I'm, I don't really know because I don't... I'm not into politics as such, but I will vote in the local. But that's all I will vote in. I won't vote in the European or on divorce or any of that. So you know about the referendum? I know all about it, yeah. But you won't vote? No. I'll only just vote for the local. And what would make you decide on which candidates? Well, people I know mostly, because I, I don't really know m- many of them. And I am from Navan, but I don't know many of them. And is there anything that concerns you in Navan that you'd like to see changed or improved? Well, I'd like a bit more law and order in it, which there's none at the moment. There's not enough guards walking around the streets and... And you can't come out at night. People, old people living alone in their homes, they're, they're terrified. It's changed it's over changed the years. It's changed whatever I've known now. And I was born rare in Navin. And it's a lot different now than it was. One time you could leave your door open all night. Now, I don't expect you to be able to do that at this day and age. No. But I expect you to be able to live in peace. Housing and jobs for the young people, because there's none, none around here anyway. Will you vote? Um, I'm in between. I don't. I don't know whether I will or not. That's just no matter who you vote for or what you vote for. It's only a certain crowd. 
that get looked after. The middle class and the lower class are not heeded at all. What's the issues that would make you come out and vote in the local elections? Well, I will go out and vote, uh, but I don't have any major issues. Um, I am concerned about education simply because I have two children in school. And I will vote probably for my local fella because I know him. So that's how you decide? It's not parties? Not parties at all. It's just because I know him. It's the, it's the person. Well, I don't have any, but there is people with loads of issues. I, I just would, would vote anyway. Like, you know, that sort of way. As a citizen, I would like to go out and vote. No, not really, because mostly any time you want something done, it's not done for you anyway. And will you vote? Yes, I probably will. Yes, I will vote, but uh, who I'll vote for, I'm not dead sure on yet. Oh, I always vote. Always. Where are you from? Uh, Throder Road to Leek, County Mead. So have you decided yet on the candidates? Oh, I have, yeah. Oh, I have. Well, no, there's no issues really. Like, I'm quite content, but I am, I'm going to vote. I haven't done much, much research, but I will vote once I kind of think about who I'm going to vote for. <laughs> and will you look at their policies before you decide? Ah, yeah, there's been a lot of people now coming to the door and that, and I don't know if there's an awful lot of them, but I will. I'll have a look into them and see. There you go. A uh, snapshot of uh, the opinions of people in Navna. I think if that is an indication of uh, the turnout, it'll be a high turnout. Uh, a lot of issues, uh, I think some people more enthusiastic about why they mo- might vote for someone than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think most people are saying to you, Marie, that they would go out and vote. Yes, yes. The mm. majority of mm. those I spoke to definitely did. Now, some hadn't made up their mind who mm. they were voting for. And then interestingly, as you heard a couple of people say, it's it's the one they know or yeah. it's the someone that lives maybe in their particular area that Absolutely, they'll go for yeah. okay. which I suppose that's the local elections it's not always about parties so it's yeah, not yeah, that's it yeah. right I'll mm-hmm. go to one final comment okay. if I can Dunica mm-hmm. from Kel just on the European election says I'd rather have an MEP who can stay the course and focus on doing their job as an MEP for five years than have someone jump ship after a few months because their party thinks it's time to change faces alright we'll leave it on that note thank you indeed uh, to everybody who has been in touch with us thanks by the way to to those people in Navan who took some time out to speak with Marie as well and if you'd like to add to what's been said as always our telephone number is 1850-715-958 Michael Reed on LMFM Now we've been hearing some of uh, the issues uh, that will inspire people uh, in how they cast uh, their votes on Friday of uh, next week. One of uh, the issues the North East Pile and Pressure Campaign Group has been putting on the agenda is the North-South Interconnector Airgrid's project uh, to link uh, the electricity networks north and south of uh, the border and in advance of the elections it held a meeting in Kells last night. Porrig O'Reilly spokesperson with the North East Pile and Pressure Campaign is on the line. Good morning, Porrick, and thanks for joining us again. Good morning, Michael. Well, how many people turned out last night? Uh, there were 400 plus at the meeting, which was a, a very big number, considering a, a lovely uh, summer's evening and a lot of uh, our landowners and farmers busy with first cuts of silage and that. So, uh, to be honest, we didn't expect such a, a big turnout. Massive, but, yeah. mm. and, and it was really, really, a really strong turnout, so that was very good. Yeah, well, it goes to show how strongly people feel uh, about uh, this project, uh, and uh, I suppose that in itself uh, a statement of opposition. What were people saying about the elections? Yeah, it, it was a strong statement because many people we know support us 100% and say they don't need to come to the meeting to, 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 to just support us. Uh, and still it was a great turnout. So in relation to 
the elections, um, um, uh, there was a lot of discussion on uh, what needed to happen going forward and uh, what the different parties were doing. Um, it was heavily represented by, by opposition parties and I we did not see anyone of note or anyone at all from, from the government parties, either at uh, TD, MEP uh, or local council level. And I suppose, as we've stated many times, we have felt that they have not supported this campaign for the last number of years, uh, whilst on the other hand, our opposition uh, parties uh, have done anything we've asked, given the fact that they're still in opposition, but in terms of trying to push on the undergrounding, they've done everything we've asked. So that was all discussed last night, and we made uh, three or four requests of what we wanted them to do going forward. Mm. Well, do you want to outline them for us? yeah, just just very quickly. So yeah. the key thing, I mean, there there were three, three things that we we highlighted the change uh, significantly in the last two years. Firstly, is that uh, the approval in Northern Ireland has been has been withdrawn and is withdrawn at this stage. So the, the project cannot go ahead at the moment. Uh, secondly, that now there's a, a surplus of electricity in the north rather than a deficit, and this is one of the key things that Airgrid have been pushing for the need for the project. So we seriously challenge the need, and these are Airgrid's own, own figures. And thirdly, the cost of overhead lines uh, have been admitted to be much higher than originally stated. So what we have been saying to the opposition parties is we really need now to highlight at local authority level and at European level uh, what needs to be done. Next, so we've asked that every uh, all correspondence uh, be put on a monthly agenda item at each of the three county council levels. So every month when there's a meeting, the councillors need to get an update from the planners what has happened in terms of any air grid inputs. Mm. Um, okay, because it was argued here uh, in one of the local election debates that it was a, a national issue. It was a matter of national policy. Yes, and, and normally uh, strategic infrastructure is, but uh, as we pointed out before, Michael, what Airgrid did was they did not seek approval for the full planning application. They sought it for construction, but not for access. And the access part has been kicked over to local authorities. And there's 584 access routes that have yet to be identified and agreed, and the county council planning planners have a key role in that, which is very unusual in, in strategic infrastructure. And we want to highlight that, and we want to make sure at, at the monthly meetings that we know what's going on and the councillors know what's going on and we've asked them that that happens immediately starting with the next uh, monthly meetings Okay, well uh, we spoke to you a couple of days ago uh, as well uh, and at the time had spoke to, uh, hoped to, to speak uh, to the three Fine Gael TDs ministers in me the spokesperson for Regina Doherty the senior minister said well look uh, the minister's views are well known and on the record, and she's spoken in support of uh, the campaign, uh, but neither uh, uh, Regina Doherty or Damien English or Helen McIntyre are available to us uh, again today, unfortunately. Uh, perhaps they will be before the election to speak to you, and uh, obviously the door is always open to them. Uh, we will obviously raise this uh, with European candidates. So what do you want done at a European level, Porik? Well, at a European level, what we've asked the uh, the candidates who who, who who were there last night, Brendan Smith was there on behalf of Fianna Fáil and and, and Matt Carty on, on from a Sinn Féin perspective, is that uh, from our view there is a concern around e- how ESB are uh, coming into this project uh, instead of Airgrid. And there is an EU agreement that those two companies uh, have to abide by and uh, remain unbundled. And we want the MEPs to really uh, challenge the EU 
Commission to look at how Airgrid and ESB are acting together on this project. Because ESB has the right to come onto the land of the farmer without the farmer's permission, whereas you're suggesting Airgrid doesn't. No, the situation is with strategic infrastructure, ESB has no rights uh, to come onto land uh, without um, uh, Airgrid uh, highlighting the access routes. ESB have rights for ordinary poles and so on, but for strategic infrastructure, on this case, they are only a contractor. Uh, they did not get the approval for the planning or had mm. nothing to do with the planning. Airgrid got the planning approval. Airgrid have to highlight the access routes and then pass them on to ESB. And only then can ESB take any action. And that's what you mean about them being bundled together? Yes, mm. yes. And what's happening is they're trying to to confuse this uh, in people's minds and landowners' minds and they're saying ESB have these powers. They don't have these powers for this for this strategic infrastructure, Airgrid have to identify the access routes and then request uh, that they be uh, uh, the ones that ESB use. Okay. And there's 584 access routes and the key thing we asked for last night, Michael, of all of mm. the things we've asked, is that Airgrid now publish those 584 access routes for landowners to know what are the plans for people to go onto their properties. Okay, well, we'll discuss it uh, somewhat more before polling day on the 24th, but we'll leave it there for the moment. Parik, thank you indeed for joining us this morning again. Parag O'Reilly, spokesperson for the North East Pile and Pressure Campaign Group, brings our programme to its conclusion today. Thanks to Marie Kearns for producing and Chris Marie in the control tower. I'm Michael Godwilling. We'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, where a student loan can help you finance your further education. Call to Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or CartmacrossCU.ie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.